I am talking, talking, talking to you. And the talk just keeps on coming. TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Raising children in today's information age is tougher than ever. But how much is too much when it comes to electronic entertainment for your kids? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here to take a look at how to unplug your kids. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Bobby Connor. She's a parenting expert and the author of a book called Unplugged Play, which is a parent's guide to encouraging entertainment other than sitting in front of the TV or computer. Bobby, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. Glad to be here. A lot of parents admit that their own childhood is a lot different than what their kids are experiencing today. Tell us about that. How different is it? It is a lot different in a lot of different ways, but what hasn't changed is kids still have a lot of the same basic needs, and one of those needs is the need to explore and to see how stuff works and to make things happen. From the time they're little toddlers on up through all the years, they like to get into stuff and do creative stuff, and that's pretty much stayed the same. Well, I think there's probably not a parent alive, unless maybe they're Amish or something, who has not felt guilty about putting their kid in front of the TV now and then. Should they feel guilty for that? Well, I think they should have some limits. Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that children from two years old on up have no more than one to two hours of total screen time each day. And kids from two years and younger, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends they have zero yeah, that's screen amazing, time. It is. And and as you and I can guess, a lot of the older kids especially are sitting in front of computers or game systems for six hours a day. Well, and even in the back of SUVs, there are DVD players and TVs for exactly, long, all the yeah. time, every trip. And I think parents know in their gut, you know, that's too much time. My kids are sitting too long. They should be outside doing something. They know in their gut, but they're not sure what things kids would like to do instead because there's a lot of pressure, you know, even from kids themselves. Oh, so-and-so just got this great game, and I want it. And honestly, parents know in their gut that it's too much to have all this computer time, but they just need some good ideas to sort of get kids off the screens and on to more active and creative kinds of play. Well, there are certainly a lot of side effects to the electronic environment kids are in today. I'm sure you can list a lot of them, but I'm just guessing maybe the obesity trends and Absolutely. ADD. Go yes. ahead and make yeah. a list of Those two, there. you've hit the two big ones that many of the experts say are clearly linked to sitting and also rapid-fire images for kids, young kids. This is what becomes normal, the high-intense sounds and sights and movement. If kids maybe 10 months old or 12 months or 2 years, if that's what they see regularly, that's what they come to expect. And on the flip side of that, though, the good news for parents is that you can turn that habit around by taking real small little steps and introducing your kids to more active kinds of imaginative games, and then they come to expect this is what play is. That's the good news. And we did a lot of testing, and we saw that even the most plugged-in kids, if you got the props and you got some interesting stuff, and give a little demo, they will run off with these games and make their own variations as well. Our guest on InfoTrack is Bobby Connor. She's a parenting expert, and she has a book out called Unplugged 
Play, which is a parent's guide to entertaining your kids in ways other than by electronic means. Now, Bobby, let's talk about some of the alternatives you have in your book. You have a, certainly a ton of them in there, and one of them you mentioned is a no-battery zone. What is that? Right. Well, this is for parents. Parents need a little bit of a guidelines of how do I balance? How do I have some creative, active kinds of games and then allow some electronic games? And the no-battery zone is really just the idea to manage electronics. So you delay introducing kids to electronics, you know, until they're a little bit older and introduce them to all kinds of creative, imaginative props and classic toys and classic games and all that kind of stuff. But then be real selective about which electronic games are okay, how much time is okay, which shows are okay, and then, you know, put some limits on it. Let the kids know it's going to be two hours a day. Or a lot of families decide, especially during the school year for the older school-age kids, no TV and no computer games during the week, but we can do it on the weekend. So you kind of find your niche of what's going to work for your family, but you really have to be very intentional about this. Now, is there an age range that this seems to most affect kids? Is it young children or is it up to teenage or beyond teenage? In terms of the steady diet of electronics? Yeah, in terms of the negative effects. Uh, really across the board, because it becomes habitual, it becomes kind of the habit, and they want more time and more stuff and more expense, too. That's part of it for parents. I tried to come up up in unplugged play with games that have real inexpensive toys and props because parents shouldn't have to spend $499, you know, for a game system. It's just too much, and there's a lot of pressure to do that. And those game systems have to be replaced every two years anyway. Absolutely, when the new one comes out, and then, of course, there are the actual games that you buy, you know, for $60 a pop and so on. You have something in the book called a kid's cupboard, which is kind of a potpourri of things, right? For toddlers, the kid's cupboard, it's just a reminder, really, For little toddlers, there's nothing better than pots and pans and wooden spoons and spatulas, a lot of safe stuff. And toddlers can have their own cupboard that they can open and close so it doesn't have the little safety latch on it. And down in that cupboard are all these mixing bowls and plastic containers and cups and stuff. So while mom's making dinner or dad's making dinner, the child opens their cupboard and they pull out their stuff and they kind of pretend Mm -hmm. that they're cooking or making stuff. And that's all good stuff. And a lot of good things are happening behind the scenes on that. On the surface, it's just a kid having fun. But when you take a look at it, as a child development specialist, you see that they're learning bigger than, smaller than. What kind of noises can I make? Cause and effect. If I bang with this spatula on this pan, I get a certain noise. If I do it over here, I get a different noise. So there's really great stuff going on. The kids aren't interested in that. But I'm just saying cognitively, there's a lot of wonderful stuff going on when kids can explore and make their own fun. Your book also has a list of multi-purpose items, things that can be used in a lot of different ways to play. Maybe you can mention just a couple of them. Right. Some of them are kind of unusual, but the standards I'll mention, of course, are balls and hula hoops and bubbles and jump rope and all those kinds of things. And for the littler kids, blocks and dolls and trucks and cars, things that they can, again, make something happen with. Art materials, marvelous for all of the ages, even starting with the toddler, you know, the non-toxic kinds of markers and crayons and paper and all that stuff and just the scribbling they love. 
But then the wackier things that are in unplugged play in terms of toys, I mean, this is a stretch to call it a toy, but are things like laundry baskets and fly swatters. I've got loads of games in unplugged play <laughs> that use brand new clean fly swatters, <laughs> which cost maybe 69 or 89 cents. But there's a fly swatter volleyball game, which all the ages love this. You take either a beach ball and blow it up or a balloon. And let's say you and I are playing. We're each going to have a clean fly swatter. And it's kind of like a game of badminton. Mm-hmm. The idea is we're just batting it back and forth and back and forth. And there's no net or anything, but we're just trying to keep the balloon or the beach ball up in the air. It's a good one. If you play it with a balloon, it can be easily played inside the house, you know, in a big room, and you're not going to break anything. And if you want to get a little wilder and, you know, more rambunctious outside. So some of the things that I say are a little bit wacky. It's taking everyday objects that we have at home and incorporating those into some of the games in Unplugged Play. Bobby, we're nearly out of time, but maybe just as a final thought, what would you say to parents who say, well, this all sounds great, but it also sounds like it might be a whole lot more work than what I'm doing now? It isn't, though. Most all of the games in Unplugged Play, I started out with this idea of what can we do quickly and inexpensively And a lot of the games are just almost as quick as popping in a video. Well, a lot of these activities are things that parents can do with kids. Absolutely. uh, As opposed to watching TV and there's not a lot of interaction. Bobby Connor, the author of a book called Unplugged Play. Do you have a website? Do have a website. It's unpluggedplay.com. Well, thanks for joining us on InfoTrack. My pleasure. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.